Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on laptops, TVs, SIM-free phones, kitchen appliances and so much more. So, let's start this morning with two men with Limerick Connections who've recently opened up about their experience of having an eating disorder for a new documentary that uh, you may have seen on television. We have them on the line now to chat to us, Daniel O'Boyle and Owen Kernan, and uh, you are both very welcome. Uh, Daniel, um, in this TV documentary, which is really fascinating, I was talking to a couple of people over the weekend who uh, saw it and and said they were really, really interested uh, in what you and others had to say but in it you say you remember being aware of your weight as young as eight years old which is amazing yeah hi um, Joe thank you very much first of all for having me on Um, yeah so eight really was I think kind of like the age when I think I would regard it as being the age that the disorder I think started to started to get its claws in a little bit um, so yeah, at, at the age of eight was when I became quite aware of my weight. I think it was because, you know, I was a bit bigger than my brothers. I was bigger than other people in my class, and I think that from that age on was when I, as I said in the documentary, was when I always wanted to to lose weight. And unfortunately, that that isn't a unique experience. Um, from what I've seen in some of the feedback I've been getting from people and from you know uh, anecdotal evidence more so than anything, um, eating disorders are, are starting as young as that, and if not even younger. Um, so I think that that children are, are particularly vulnerable and susceptible to, to to particular things that are said by parents or things that are said in the media or whatever like that. So, yeah, unfortunately, it does seem to be an age that that susceptibility could start. Right. What were the thoughts going through your head when you were struggling with it as a teenager? Um, I think it was the, the, the main the main thought really that I suppose was going through my head the most of the time was, was that I felt very worthless in myself. Um, I felt that I... I, I began to, I suppose, when I was a teenager, that would have been the period of my life when I when I was living in, in a more overweight body. And I started to conflate my self-worth with my weight. Um, so I thought that because I was more overweight or because I was bigger than other people in my class or my friends or whatever like that, that I was less worthy of achieving things or less worthy of getting things in life because because entirely because of my weight. And it was then that I really, really started to desire to lose weight. Um, and I suppose when I began to lose some weight, um, that almost became a, a, a somewhat of an addiction for me because I thought, oh, I feel I, I'm being treated like, um, I, I feel I feel somewhat more worthy now that I've lost a bit of weight. But then that the weight, whatever weight I hit, it was I was never satisfied with that. It was always how much lower can I go, where can I go, and to, again, feel more worthy. But it was a very perverse sense of worth because it was it was constantly shifting. The metric was constantly changing. Right, and then a loss of a loved one. I think when you were nineteen was a catalyst mm. for things getting even worse. Yeah, um, when I was in, I think it was the summer of, of my second year. It was actually I was down in Limerick. I think as I said in the documentary, I studied in in UL. I studied law in UL, and I was down at actually at Colbert Station. And my mother rang me, um, and my father had had passed away very suddenly from a heart attack. And I think after that, I think I was very much like. Oh, I, I'll, I'll get hel- I'll get a bit healthier now because my dad had died from a heart attack, and you know I thought if this runs in the family, I'll get healthy and stuff. But it really became kind of as as my mother even said in the documentary is that it became that that catalyst for the eating disorder because it gave me that sense of control in a very very uncontrolled environment. And so after then was when was when it became its absolute worst, and I think that was when. A lot of people started to pass comments on how much weight I had lost, and were, were were voicing a lot of concern for me then. 
Mm. And we're chatting to Daniel O'Boyle and Owen Curlin, uh, both of whom, uh, with Limerick Connections, uh, featured in that uh, RTE documentary, Unspoken. And uh, Owen, this all began for you after you decided initially to go on a health kick, is that right? Yeah, Joe. Um, I, I suppose for me, it is... It, Oh yeah, it all kicked off when I decided that um, I wasn't happy with I wasn't happy with how I was in my life, um, I wasn't happy with um, or I felt I wasn't happy with how I was in my life, and I wanted to be able to do something that maybe I could feel proud of, um, that maybe I could uh, that that would allow me to match up to others around me. Um, that would allow me to feel like I could say I've achieved something um, and allow me to, in a, in a way, um, prove myself to others. Um, so I, I decided that was going to be through um, starting, starting a journey with healthy eating and healthy living. Um, and I put healthy in inverted commas because you know, I've since learned that that means many different things. Um, but yeah, it, it was. I suppose it wasn't ignited by social media and by you know all these things we see in magazines and TV and that kind of thing. But it was fueled by that. Um, so very much. And what age were you? Uh, so so I was in my in my mid thirties, so about thirty five, thirty six. Okay. Um, so so maybe later in life than people might imagine, you know. Much later in life, and, and and that's you know I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to to take part in in unspoken and you know to to I suppose start start this ad- advocacy journey is because yeah like I was in my mid thirties mid middle aged uh, normal regular Joe soap in my eyes um, and I'd never ever in a million years considered that someone like that could could be could be attacked by an eating disorder um and 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 then when i did get when i did you know get into the depths of the illness i couldn't find anyone that i could relate to um you, you make an interesting point that it wasn't ignited you said by social media but fueled by it absolutely um for for me for me this was an an inner feeling that was just wrong um you know that that i just didn't have any value in this world i didn't have any worth in this world um that the things that maybe I did happen to, you know, feel good about, I couldn't speak about because they would get knocked down or that, you know, I was constantly trying to prove myself to the alpha male, the toxic masculinity, the the the, the toxic social norms that we have nowadays um, of what we're supposed to be when we're mid, in our mid-30s. We're supposed to have a family, supposed to have a house, supposed to be settled down, you know, all those all those 2.47 children type idea. Um and and so that was what ignited was was a feeling of absolutely being out of control in relation to all of them and feeling a huge amount of pressure um, for all of that. Uh, that that ignited the eating disorder without me realising it. Um, and also, I suppose the other thing is I I have suffered with um, OCD. I deal with OCD on a daily basis and have done since I was a child, probably without realising it. So I think by nature maybe I was more. I was more inclined to be able to, you know, to, to take on something like an eating disorder or to develop. Um, but yeah, mid thirties, I did not expect it, and I did could not find someone, uh, male or female, in a way that that, that just I could relate to. Right. 
Uh, Denise has been in touch on 0861239595. You can WhatsApp or text us to say, I watched the documentary Unspoken uh, about those men and I thought it was very well produced and you can still pick it up, by the way, on the RT player and we're chatting to Owen Cardin and Daniel O'Boyle uh, who featured in it. Daniel, how bad did it get for you? Um, it got it got very bad. Um, I, I think it got to got to a point, I think, um, where... As I as I said many times, that there was no light in the day. Every day, every day. I mean, we have to eat every day. There's no two ways about it. We have to eat. We have no option but to eat. So it's a very strange form of addiction in that way because you'd wake up and the first thing in your mind would be food. And every time a, a piece of food would touch my lips, it would induce some level of of, of severe anxiety in me. So it it did it did get um, quite severe. I think. Um, one of the one of the catalysts actually for me then going and seeking recovery was when I had a complete um, panic attack over the fact that my mother had booked a birthday dinner for my brother's birthday and I couldn't access the menu online to decide what to eat before going. Um, so it, it just got to a stage where I think I was I wasn't enjoying I was I was I did not like living in my own skin and I did not like living in my own mind because of how um, how 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 drastic the thoughts were. And also the point that I, I was a very difficult person to, to interact with and, and to be around because anytime food would come up on the agenda, it would, it would cause some degree of, I suppose, um, um, anguish within the household. Right. And for you, Owen? It's funny. I, listening to Daniel there, I can relate to every single one of those things. And I think that's the commonality we all share. Um, you know, it, for me... I, I slowly started to develop, you know, um, anxiety around similar things like not being able to, 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 to know what, you know, what's going to be in a restaurant if I'm going there or, um, you know, not knowing what's in my food at home. That all crescendoed, I suppose, or, or as I say, fell off a cliff um, in the middle of the summer of 2019 uh, where I had tried to access help in a number of different avenues Um and not being successful or just not found the right type of help. Um, and so physiologically and mentally, things continue to to slip very, very quickly. And I think it's, it's you know, we hear all about exponential curves in COVID nowadays. It's the same idea. It just can, it's like a car with your foot in the accelerator. It just speeds up and speeds up and speeds up. And eventually the crash happens. And the crash for me was, was a day where I became suicidal um, and just said, I can't, I just can't deal with this confusion anymore. I can't deal with this state of, you know, state of mind that I'm in where I, I can in a way rationally understand that this is just madness. This is crazy. The, the, the behaviours that I was doing, but yet I couldn't stop them. I couldn't control them. And how did you start to find a way out? Um, I started to find a way out because I think, number one, because I became so numb and so much of a shell of myself that I didn't have the energy to fight against those that were maybe suggesting treatment. Um, and also because I had to trust them as well. So for me, that was my, my partner, Carolina, and my and my mum and my dad, um, who were suggesting residential treatment, were suggesting that, you know, this had gone beyond the point of, of help otherwise. Um, and I had been kind of hesitant to that up until then. Um, but it just got to the point one day where they rang and they said, look, we need to book Owen in. And they did. And they came to me. And I always remember they told me and my partner, Carolina, will tell me that she, you know, she, she remembers this well, that they told me I would only be going in for two weeks. But they were looking over my shoulder at each other going, no, we know this is going to be three months. 
Um, it, it, but I couldn't face the fact that I would be leaving my home. I would be putting myself into a facility. Uh, it just seems so so uh, demoralising. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Daniel, what was the turning point for you? Um, well, I moved up to Dublin in September of 2019. And it's one thing that I, I, I keep stressing in, in the documentary particularly is that that in Mayo, where I'm originally from, there is a lack of services available in rural Ireland for, for eating disorder treatment. So moving up to Dublin was, was almost life-saving in that regard because there is a myriad of services available up here in comparison to more rural locations. And so I started in there in yeah the September in the November of, of 2019 and initially started thinking, OK, I'll give this um, a go. Um, but within a few weeks of, of practicing the, the recovery habits and the recovery um, and the recovery methods, I started to realise that, that this was kind of the way out of it. Um, so yeah. But but of course, it, it's not an overnight thing, isn't it? It's a process. It is. Yeah, it's an absolute process. I mean, as I said, I'm two years into recovery now, and I think that it, it's important to realise that that it, that it is a journey, and that there are, you are going to unfortunately at times, you know, hit some obstacles and hit some bumps in the road. And um, but how you react after hitting those bumps and after hitting those obstacles is what matters so much more than the actual hitting of those obstacles right. and bumps in the road. Yeah, because the other point is it was International Men's Day last week, and you know, we were saying on the air we found it very difficult to get men to talk about these issues. What's your message to men, Daniel? Um, message to men is that men. No more than any other any other gender um, experience can experience the exact same uh, illnesses, particularly uh, men- mental illnesses, and mental conditions as women. Um, so, by speaking out and by allowing yourself to be vulnerable, and, and I'm and I don't I'm not saying that every every man needs to I suppose do what myself Owen and Cormac have done because that could be quite daunting for a lot of people. I know it was it was somewhat daunting for us. Um, but even to allow yourself to go and speak to um, your GP or a specialist or a counsellor or something, to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to realise that it's okay to experience these thoughts and these feelings and that it's how you act upon them and how you go and seek help is, is, is what matters more than anything. All right. Well, listen, thank you both very much for talking to us this morning and for taking part in that documentary on RTE Unspoken, which you can still find on the RTE player. Really, really interesting. And uh, we appreciate uh, Daniel O'Boyle and Owen Kernan joining us on Limerick today. Two men with Limerick Connections, as uh, they were explaining on the documentary as well. Thank you both. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on laptops, TVs, SIM-free phones, kitchen appliances and so much more.